Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm excited that you're listening. We're going to be changing gears a bit today. Instead of going deep into a lot of the evidence and philosophical arguments for God and the scientific arguments for God and so forth, we're going to be switching that up a bit. I love all those topics, and I hope you enjoyed even last week's show on prophecy about Jesus in the Old Testament and how he fulfilled those. I guess, again, before we go any further, you could get that show on all those shows at godsolutionshow.com. Today we're going to change gears a little bit and talk about the revolutionary that leads this revolution. And that revolutionary is Jesus Christ, and the revolution that he is leading is a revolution of love and a revolution of relationship. I think it'll put a little bit of a different perspective on Christianity and on following Jesus Christ. It's going to be great. As we think about a revolution, I wanted to start by defining a revolution. A revolution is defined as something that is radically new or innovative and goes beyond established procedure and principles. So a revolutionary is a person who advocates or engages in revolution, a person who is radically new or innovative, and goes outside or beyond established procedure and principles. Now, when we talk about the person Jesus Christ, everything he said and did when he walked on this planet 2,000 years ago was absolutely revolutionary to the entire history of this world. And as we evaluate our modern society, he stands as a revolutionary in face of everything that this society says is the way things are. He is a revolutionary, and he's leading a revolution. And as we describe him today, I hope you'll come to see him in a revolutionary new light. I wanted to take a few minutes and look at a couple different passages in Scripture where we see some of the different revolutionary statements that Jesus made and hear some of his revolutionary claims. I think it'll be exciting because a lot of times people talk about Jesus as if he was just another good teacher, so to say. Maybe just somebody else that had some more good things to say. But he actually drew a line in the sand that was absolutely revolutionary. Let's start with John 14:6. This is kind of a famous passage. You may have heard me quote it here on the show before. But Jesus says in John 14:6, "I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." Here's a man walking on this earth claiming to be not a way, but claiming to be the way, not just claiming to show the way, but claiming to be the way, not just claiming to have the truth but claiming to be the truth, not just claiming that he had the key to life or the answers for life or how to have a better life, but rather claiming to actually be life itself. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says he's the only way. There is no other way, and no one else can show the way to God because he alone is the way to God. Phenomenal claims, revolutionary, whether you believe it or not, you could never argue that those claims weren't revolutionary. And there's a lot going on here. Jesus also put it this way in John 18, a couple chapters later. He said, My kingdom is not of this world. 
If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews, but now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, Pilate said. Jesus answered, You are right in saying that I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Again, a revolutionary claim by Jesus himself, not just claiming that he knows the truth and that we could discuss the truth, but rather claiming to be the truth and then going so far as to say, if anyone loves and appreciates the truth, he or that person will come to me. That person that loves the truth will listen to me because that person will realize that I am the truth. Phenomenal revolutionary claims that Jesus made about himself. So we often talk to people that say, well, it's impossible to believe that Jesus was the only way. It's impossible to believe that he was really God. Instead, they say that Jesus is just another teacher, maybe a prophet. Maybe he was enlightened, but we too could become enlightened like him. I hear that argument so often. And it's not a new argument. It's something that's been going on for years. And my favorite perspective on that argument is one from the famous C.S. Lewis, who we love to talk about on the show and quote on the show. And C.S. Lewis came up with what we call the trilemma, as C.S. Lewis put it. If Jesus claimed to be the way and the truth and the life, to be the only way to have peace with God, the only way to have everlasting life, and fundamentally even claimed to be God himself. He claimed to be equal with God and one with God, inseparable from God. He said, if you've seen him, you've seen God the Father. That claim is so phenomenal that you have to evaluate it not as just another good teaching, but rather you have to evaluate it for what it is, a revolutionary claim at being God himself at being the only way, at being the only salvation. And so C.S. Lewis said, if anyone were to make that kind of claim and know that they were not God, they would be a liar. Or if somebody were to make that kind of claim and really believe it, but they weren't what they said they were, they would be a lunatic. Because who goes around claiming to be God, claiming to be the only way? He says the only other option, other than liar or lunatic, is that Jesus when he made these claims, really was who he said he was. So he said, we have three options, liar, lunatic, or Lord. We cannot say Jesus was just a good prophet. We cannot say he was just a good teacher. We have to say either he was wrong about being God, and then he was either a liar or a lunatic, depending on whether or not he knew he was wrong, or he was right and actually was who he claimed to be, Lord and Savior of all. If he was Lord, and C.S. Lewis makes a great case that he was neither a liar nor a lunatic, we know from history that he was not a liar, and we also know from history that he was not a lunatic. Lunatics do not change the course of human history in a positive way the way Jesus did if they're lunatics. And so C.S. Lewis says our only option is that he is who he said he was, Lord and Savior, God of all God in human flesh, the way, the truth, and the life. That's what we call the trilemma that C.S. Lewis came up with, and I think it is a powerful statement. I haven't heard many atheists or critics or skeptics try to wiggle out of that. 
I've heard Bart Ehrman try to come up with a fourth option, and I've heard some people try to say, well, Jesus never said that, and that is not the case. We know from Scripture that he said that. You might remember our interview with Ben Witherington, who is a world-renowned New Testament scholar who has written extensively on who Jesus himself thought he was. I've encouraged you to pick up the book Contending with Christianity's Critics, and in there you'll find a chapter by Ben Witherington called Jesus the Seer, and it's a great perspective on who Jesus saw himself as and the statements he made about himself that really show us he fundamentally believed that he was Lord and God, the Savior of the world. So when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, we find a revolutionary statement by a revolutionary, something that nobody in the history of this world said quite like that. We had a lot of people pointing to what they believed was God, but here we had a real person, a human being, claiming to be God himself in human flesh. And then not just saying that, but backing it up with a powerful life, with phenomenal miracles, and even conquering death and beating it so that we too could experience the life that he claimed he was. So Jesus claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life, and that was a revolutionary claim, and he was a revolutionary in saying that. Most revolutionaries say things that confront the mainstream, that go against the grain. Jesus was no different. Jesus said things that made people furious, that made even his disciples walk away from him. John 6, starting in verse 60, says, On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Then addressing the twelve, Jesus said, You do not want to leave too, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Gregory Kokel, writing in the book Tactics, says, Jesus' teaching made some people furious. And then encouraging us, he says, Just make sure it's your ideas that offend and not you that your beliefs cause the dispute and not your behavior. See, we should be loving just like Jesus was. And at the same time, we should realize that Jesus' teaching definitely offended people. Recently, I was talking to somebody and they said, it's funny how you can bring up almost any kind of religious figure, or any kind of political idea, and you might have different opinions, but you don't get basically full-blown hate. You don't get that angry of a response but it seems like every time you discuss Jesus, you have this incredibly active response where people almost can't tolerate the name. And I have found that to be very typical. You could talk about almost anything, but the second you mention Jesus, there can be extreme offense. And his teaching really drew a line in the sand. And that's what he was talking about here. He was a revolutionary, and he was saying things in such a revolutionary way that people either followed him or they left him. There was not a middle ground. 
There was none of this, maybe he was a good teacher. It was either he is the truth or he is not. Those were the perspectives. And Jesus' 12 disciples realized he has the words of truth, and there's no one else that we can follow. Whereas other people said, I can't handle this, and they left. What he said was revolutionary, and he said it in a revolutionary way that literally drew the line in the sand so that people had to make a decision. So again, that's something that I want to encourage you to think about today as you think about Jesus saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. Some of his other statements, those are revolutionary things to say because he is a revolutionary and he was who he said he was. Do those things force you to come to a decision about Jesus? That's the main question. Are we going to follow his revolution or are we going to believe contrary to his own words that he just had some good ideas, but he wasn't who he said he was? And like we just said, that's a really hard statement to follow. We can't really say he was a good teacher, but I'm not going to believe what he said. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution here on KDUR 91.9 and 93.9 FM here in Durango and KDUR.org online. We're talking about Jesus, the revolutionary, and the revolutionary movement that he leads and how every one of us can evaluate his claims and come to a perspective of following him or rejecting him. We've talked about some of Jesus' claims about himself and realized that he claimed revolutionary things about himself. We've talked a little bit about some of his teachings and realized that he taught revolutionary things. And people either followed him or left him. They did not ride the fence when they heard what he was saying. Beyond all this, I wanted to look at his life. Jesus did hard things. He was a revolutionary in his actions. In Mark 11, we read, On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. Here we find Jesus, imagine this, going into a temple, think about it as a church today, seeing a lot of the hypocrisy there, seeing the desire for wealth and the perspective on materialism that a lot of the religious leaders of that day had. He went into that temple and began overturning the tables and the money changers in telling them God's house is to be a house of prayer and you guys have made it a den of robbers. Phenomenal stuff. It was revolutionary for him to do this. It would be kind of like you walking into a church and seeing a little coffee shop and just pushing it over and saying, this place is a place to praise God. It is not a place to be making lots of money. On a side note, I hear that criticism of Christianity often. People say it's just a business. It's just about money. Or I went to a church when I was young, but all they wanted was my money. They weren't interested in me. That's kind of the perspective that Jesus saw with the religious institution of his day. If you've seen that as you've explored Christianity or religion or spirituality, I would encourage you that that is not what God desires. He is not about getting your money. He is about getting your heart. And Jesus, when he saw religious leaders of his day just trying to milk people for all they were worth, he went in and overturned their tables, and he whipped and he drove people out of that place, saying, 
This is to be a house of prayer. This is not to be a place for people to be gouging each other and just trying to make a profit. So not only did Jesus make revolutionary claims about himself, not only did he have revolutionary teachings, but he did revolutionary things. He did things that were absolutely outside of the mainstream, that flew in the face of everything that that society said, and that only he could do. Things that would cause people to follow him or reject him simply because they were so out of the ordinary. By definition, extremely revolutionary. Not only did Jesus do revolutionary things, but he preached the most revolutionary message of all and then lived it out in his life. And that's the message of love. Never before Christ did we hear the golden rule to do unto others as you would have them do unto yourself. He was the proponent of that. And even people that don't follow Christ today would readily say that that is the chiefest rule by which we could ever live our lives, that that, if ever there were a golden rule, is the golden rule. People quickly realize that, and I think it's important for us to remember that it came straight from Jesus. Jesus preached love and he lived love. Jesus told his disciples, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. He said that knowing that in a few short days he would lay down his life for his friends, his disciples, and even us who he desires to have a friendship with today. He laid down his life to show true love. The Bible defines love saying love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, love never fails. See, Jesus exemplified that with his life. A love that never fails. A love that always puts other people above itself. That, again, is the fundamental definition of love. Putting another's highest good above our own. That was what Jesus taught. But even more fundamentally, that was what Jesus did. He modeled that for us, even dying on the cross for each one of us, paying the ultimate price of his own life so that we could have peace with God. His life and his actions were revolutionary, and his message of love was the most revolutionary message that this world has ever heard. And his example of love was the most revolutionary example of love that this world has ever seen. You know, the Bible tells you that God has loved you with an everlasting love. That before time ever even began, before you were ever even conceived in your mother's womb, you were already loved by God. He knew you would exist, and he, for all of eternity, waited for the time when he would be able to have relationship with you. He has loved you with an everlasting love. Jesus' message of love was a revolutionary message that continues to be revolutionary today. There are so many different other ways in which Jesus was a revolutionary. We've discussed a few of them. There are a few others. Jesus did not back down from the truth. Jesus claimed to be the way, the truth, and life. Jesus did the hard things and even laid down his life for his friends. He did so many things that were so revolutionary. And there are so many more. He would associate with sinners that nobody else in society desired to associate with. 
Again, not the picture that you get of many religious people today, unfortunately. But Jesus was willing to go and spend time with prostitutes and tax collectors. He was willing to be a friend of drunkards and people that were castouts of society, the lepers, people like that, people that nobody in society wanted anything to do with. And Jesus yearned to be with those people. He even said it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but it's the sick that need a doctor. He did not come to spend lots of time with religious people. He came to spend lots of time with real people, real people that realized that they needed him. And his life and his time was full of interactions with people that the religious leaders of the day wanted nothing to do with. He would talk with people that nobody else would talk to. I'm reminded of the story in John 4 where Jesus talks with the woman at the well, who was a Samaritan woman who the Jews of the time did not associate with the Samaritans. They did not talk with the Samaritans. And even more than that in his society, men did not interact much with women that were outside of their families. So here he is talking to this woman who has had a very immoral past, who was not of his same social or religious background, and he is initiating a conversation with her. Absolutely revolutionary. His disciples in that passage didn't even know how to respond. They were so confused by what he was doing. But he reached out to this woman with love. He reached out to this woman with a new message that she'd never heard. He told her all about her life. And then he didn't reject her for it, but he loved her and forgave her and called her into a friendship with him. Her entire village ended up putting their trust in Christ. He was so revolutionary in his interactions with people. He healed on the Sabbath. It made the religious leaders of his day furious that he would do work on the Sabbath. Yet he would heal people, and he would do it even on the Sabbath, realizing that their lives were more important than a bunch of religious rules. Time and time again, we see him doing these revolutionary things that absolutely drove people crazy. He was revolutionary in his logic. So many times, the religious leaders of the day would try to trap him in their questions. They would say, who should we give taxes to, knowing that the people didn't want to give taxes to Caesar? Jesus recognized their trap and said, whose picture is on the coin? They said Caesar's. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. They realized that they could not trap him with their words. He was revolutionary in his response. He was revolutionary in his love. He was revolutionary in his interactions. He was revolutionary in who he associated with. Everything about him flew in the face of what society said to do. So how can we follow Jesus' revolutionary example, being revolutionaries ourselves, being able to live a way that is different than what this world says to do? This world says it's all about you, follow your heart, do whatever feels good to you, even if that involves running right over other people. It's all about finding your own dreams and pursuing them. And Jesus actually says no. It's about laying down your life and living your life to love others and fundamentally to love God. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. He said that was the greatest commandment that we could ever follow. And he said the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. As we desire to follow his revolutionary example, we can do that by loving him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and by loving those around us just the same way we love ourselves. 
even when those people disagree with us, even when those people malign us, talk bad about us, hate us, we can be revolutionaries by loving them in spite of anything that they do to us. The Bible tells us to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. That's a revolutionary statement that a mere human being could imitate God and live a Christ-like or a God-like life in a world that is desperately evil in so many different ways. We're also told in Scripture that we should have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. And then we're told Christ's example, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. See, each one of us can follow Christ's revolutionary example of love and humility, things that are contrary to everything in this world. We see pride and selfishness everywhere we look, and God tells us to live humble, loving lives. Ultimately, we can follow his revolutionary example by believing his revolutionary claims. I once heard it put this way. I heard a story of a young lady that talked to a college professor and said, how can we know which religion is true? There are so many world religions. How could we ever know which one is true? And the professor, to her astonishment, replied, there are only two world religions. And this young lady said, excuse me, there are only two world religions? And he said, yes, there are only two world religions. And she said, I am not sure what you're talking about. I know that there are countless hundreds. Would you please explain? And he said, yes, there is the religion that says that you can do it on your own, that it all revolves around you just trying harder, do better, give more away, go to church more often. He said, there is that religion, and there is the religion that says you cannot possibly do it on your own. You must trust Christ instead. It was an interesting way of putting it, but Christ's message was so revolutionary. His message that it's not about what you do, it's not about your works, it's not about if you go to church every Sunday, but rather it's about saying, Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner and nothing I could ever do could make up for all my sin or overcome all my sin or get me onto a level where you would accept me based on my own performance. So instead of even trying, Jesus, I trust you and I ask you to forgive me and to make me the kind of person you want me to be. That fundamentally is the way that we follow his revolutionary example and his revolutionary teachings. We come to him as we are, admitting our need for him and asking him to forgive us and to come into our lives. And he says when we do that, he really does come into our lives. So my encouragement to you today is to join the revolution and to follow the revolutionary. Jesus never said soft, easy comfortable things. He said a lot of hard things, but he promised more than anyone's ever promised as a result of those things. He promised what no one else can. And I really hope that you'll find true meaning in life, true purpose, true satisfaction. I'm not just saying more things, but that the deepest questions of your heart would be answered in Christ alone today. And that in finding him, you would also find 
forgiveness for all your sin and an eternity with him in heaven. It's been a revolutionary message as we've thought about Jesus the revolutionary and all he claimed. I hope it's been encouraging to you. I'd like to invite you to the River Church this morning. They meet at 860 Plymouth Drive right here in Durango. You take a right off Florida Road when you see the big gray building with the River Church sign out in front of it. Again, the River Church meets at 1045 a.m. this morning at 860 Plymouth Drive. I hope you'll be able to join us there. It's a welcoming group of people that will accept you no matter where you're coming from and encourage you in your own journey to follow Jesus, the revolutionary. If you were wondering, we won't be having Connect this week. Get all of our previous shows at godsolutionshow.com and please let us know what you think. We appreciate your comments and questions. Finally, as we close, I'll say it again. We close each show out with this and I hope that it really communicates to you this morning. I want you to know that an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. And as you think about his revolutionary claims, his revolutionary life, his revolutionary message, I hope you'll find him this morning. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great Sunday. Oh